0: Hey, welcome back to another episode of Eco Power. It's a podcast all about <clears throat> Jack and Daxter, the mechanics and the lore of the series. Um, I am your host, Kevin Emery. Uh, the previous episodes, we have gone over the Green Sage Hut and all the surrounding areas, the lore over those areas, and then some of the mechanics. We've gone over the Blue Sage Hut and all the surrounding areas there, and then in the last episode, we just got done going over the. Um, Red Sage Hut area, volcanic crater, Spider Cave, um, Snowy Mountain, etc. So this episode we're going to be going over Gall and Maya Citadel area and all the surrounding areas of it. Uh, so let's get started. So basically, this time in this episode we're going to be basically wrapping up the cons- the overall concept of this game, the Precursor Legacy game, the first Jack and Daxter game. Um, and the mechanics and the lore of it, but we're not going to be quite done with it yet. I'm still going to go over a couple of things, probably going to be a couple more episodes over this game. Then we'll move on to Jack 2, and I'll start discussing some of the mechanics and the lore of that game and the differences in that game versus the uh, first game. So let's get started. So I always like to start the podcast episode off with a trivia question. I give you the question at the beginning of the podcast and then give you the answer of the question. Uh, at the end of it it's just a little something to kind of hold the show together so the question today is who is the voice for Gaul? Gaul Acheron the sage he's the brother of Maya you know Gaul he's the main bad character in the game one trying to flood the world with dark ego who is the voice for his character in the video game? So do you know the answer? If you don't know it, uh, try to f- see if you can remember it or look at it or try to figure it out without Googling. Obviously don't know it. You may have to Google it. Or if you don't want to look it up or you don't know the answer, wait until the end of this podcast and I'll give you the answer to it. All right. So let's start off with we left off right before you basically in volcanic crater. <clears throat> before you leave that area, you have to have 72 power cells in order to move on from that area. Which the interesting thing, like I said, I mentioned this in the last podcast, interesting thing is actually you technically do not need any more power cells in the game to progress any further. Once you get past, uh, once you get to where you can open up Lava Tube with your 72 power cells, you never actually need another power cell in order to complete the game. However, you're probably going to collect some more because every time you collect a power cell, it saves your game and there's no other way to save your game. except to collect power cells. But technically, if you were just doing a straight playthrough, you could literally actually beat the game without collecting more power cells, although I don't know why you wouldn't want to. Or, of course, if you're doing 100%, you obviously need to collect more in order to do that. But yeah, in terms of progression, you don't need any more power cells but these 72. So it's kind of like, in terms of collecting power cells, that part of the game is over, technically. Now you're moving on to you know defeat the final boss basically so uh we'll start with lava tube and lava tube um you get 50 precursor orbs and just two power cells kind of interesting Uh i believe um of not volcanic crater i almost said volcanic crater but the um uh what is the name of that place that you go across from Sandover village to rock village it's uh what is the name of it Fire Canyon, that's what it's called. Yeah. With Fire Canyon, I think you only collect two power cells for that one as well because since it's basically just a crossover. And also with Mountain Pass, you do collect, I think, four power cells on Mountain Pass, but one of those power cells is from just defeating Claw himself. And then the other one is essentially just passing Mountain Pass. And then there's, of course, the seven scout flies, and then there's a hidden power cell. And so, really, each Passover area really only has very few power cells. But this one, again, only has two power cells. One to collect your seven scout flies, and then one to just basically pass the mission, get to the other side, and you get a power cell. Uh, Because, like I said, it acts as your uh, save feature as well as your collecting feature. The interesting thing about Lava Tube is this, in my opinion... I have no idea how other people feel about this. I've never really asked other people who played the game. But in my opinion, lava tube is actually probably the easiest um like cross uh in between level. What what would you call what name would you throw on those like with Fire Canyon or Mountain Pass, Lava Tube. The levels basically the in between bridge levels I guess you could call them that lead you from one hub world to the next hub world. Between all three of those, in my opinion, lava tube is actually probably the easiest. And there's a couple of reasons why that is. One, since your heat shield is much stronger now, the lava really does little to any damage to you. And really, unless you're just absolutely driving straight over the lava or just sitting over the lava, uh, your heat shield is probably not going to get hot that easily. Uh, And there's also large portions of the level where you're really just not even over the lava. You're like over metal and stuff like that. Uh, So really heat shield wise, no issue there. What made Fire Canyon so difficult is that your heat shield wasn't powerful enough. So you constantly kept trying to have to cool your uh, agrav zoomer down. It's like you just kept constantly, constantly trying to figure out ways to cool it down before you could get to the other side. Very tricky to do, um, but you don't really have that problem with lava tube. And another reason why it's so much easier is you have checkpoints, which you do not have in Mountain Pass or Fire Canyon. Those you have to make it all the way across in one go. Lava Tube, you actually get, I believe, two checkpoints, actually. Not only one, but two checkpoints, So uh, make it, which also makes things much easier. Um, so, yeah, my opinion, Lava Tube is also probably the most fun out of all three of them. I never was a huge fan of Fire Canyon. I mean, it's okay, Um and I also i'm not too crazy about mountain pass it's okay but i'm just not that crazy about it excuse me and um but lava tube to me is a lot of fun because there's a lot of platforming in it and it's so fun like riding just through these these narrow tubes just t- temporarily obviously i wouldn't want to, like the whole game to be like that but like just temporarily it's kind of fun to do that for a little while it's almost like playing a mini game and um I just have a lot of fun. This is one of my favorite, um, like I said, in between bridge levels, I guess you could call them, Um, out of all of them. I I just love lava tube a lot, but yeah, so, but yeah, it's the easiest one and it's the most fun one. Maybe that's why I feel like it's easier because of the fact that I have a lot more fun with it because sometimes things will feel easier if you're having fun with it versus if it's not fun to you. Sometimes it can feel more frustrating And if, if, yeah, like I said, if you're just not enjoying it at all versus if you're enjoying it a lot, like it could still be really hard or maybe even harder, but you're having so much fun with it. You don't even really notice the challenge all that much because you're just, you're just having so much fun playing it. And, but yeah, so basically once you get to the other end of Lava Tube, you now, uh, will be able to access the outside of the Yellow Sages lab and, um, so once you turn on the, um, the activator switch, Kira will come through, but not Samos. Samos. Uh, the reason why that is is that Kira explains that he must have been kidnapped by Gala and Maya uh, while she was maybe uh, over there helping you through, uh, you know, showing you how to get through lava tube. And um, so basically now he's been kidnapped too, so all four sages now need to be rescued. You have to go into Gala and Maya's citadel. So before I get to that, though, I want to mention a little kind of a funny story. When I was younger and played this series, I always wanted to know where the Yellow Sages' hut is. And I never knew because I just figured the game just never showed you. And um, the basically because they never mention it, or at least I didn't think they ever mentioned it, And they never showed it to you, so I was always like... And I even remember, I used to be a member of the uh, PSU forums or PSN forums. And I used to ask people on the Jack and Daxter-like thread. uh, I was just like, I wish it would be cool to explore the Yellow Sages' Hut and see what it looked like and what the area was. And they kept saying, uh, people kept telling me, like, you do, it's at the end of the game. And I was just like, what part of the end of the game? And they were like, right, before, right there by God, God, like where you go after you f- go through Lava Tube. I'm like, no, that's Galamaya Citadel. And s- <laughs> now, some people tried to tell me that this whole Galamaya Citadel was actually the Yellow Sages' lab, but it's not, and I'll explain in just a second. Some people were confused, and then some people, I think, were trying to explain to me that the Yellow Sages' lab was over by gulling my citadel but i didn't know what they were talking about because i was like no it's not where is it at and uh so (laughs) i yeah it was just a big uproar of confusion misconception and lack of you know people just i think a lot of people were a little confused about certain things but the game actually does tell you where the yellow sages lab is it briefly mentions it and i never noticed this before until years later, and I always felt like I was right and everyone else was wrong. I was like, no, everyone's wrong. They don't know what they're talking about, you know, blah, 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 blah. They're just making up stuff. But the last, uh, I would say it was, the funny thing is, this: is, I had this argument probably when I was a teenager. Like, this was over 10 years ago. and Because I was only like 16, 17 years old when I was having this argument with people over this. And this was—I just found this out, probably maybe a year or two ago, about a year and a half, maybe two years ago. <laughs> so it's been a while. I was replaying through Jack and Daxter, and uh, when right before you go drive through the lava tube, you're talking to Kira, and um, she's kind of showing you how to, you know, go through and how the new heat shield's going to work and everything. And she was just like, just make sure to don't forget to hit the activator uh, button when you reach the other side at the yellow sages lab. And I was like, I never noticed she said that before. I'm like, she does say yellow sages lab. And so when you reach to the other side, basically over right by the activator switch, there is like a little bit of material off to the side. It's not defined very well. But off to the right side of the activator switch where it looks like it could possibly be maybe like a doorway or something that could potentially lead to a lab that Kira was talking about where the yellow sage evidently must live. I think one of the problems is it's not fleshed out out very well with graphics. Um, And so I think that's why there was so much confusion. And since if you quickly miss what Kira said about reaching to the yellow sage's lab, you might miss that little thing like I did. Like I said, I've never noticed all those and I played Jack and Daxter the first game like two death. I've played this game so many times I could practical practically play it blindfolded, but I'd never noticed that she said that before. And I was like, I felt so embarrassed about a conversation that happened over ten years ago. I was like, Oh my god, I was wrong all this time. I'm like, Wow And I'm like, that is hilarious. And um but yeah, so basically it's kinda of, I think it's the same issue in the um Rock Village, up on those the hills there, uh, right above that little uh, kind of arena area where the gambler and the warrior are, right above them. is supposed to be like where the village is located. But if you weren't paying close attention, you may not notice it because the houses are like tiny and stuff because the graphics aren't fleshed out very well. It's meant to just be kind of there for decoration. And I think this is kind of the same scenario. The Yellow Sage's Lab is there, but it's just not fleshed out because you don't use it or and Interact with it in any way. It's just there. Be like, yeah, this is where the lab is, but you you don't use it in the game, so it's like that's where it is though, and that's kind of what it is. So, but yeah, so the Yellow Sages Lab. You do visit the Yellow Sages Lab. You just don't go inside of it. You just go right outside of it, and apparently, it is located right there next door, right to the right of Galmia Citadel. So I find that, just thought that was a little funny story there. <laughs> so basically, once you find out that Samus has been kidnapped and all the sages have been kidnapped, now you need to go into Golanmai Citadel, which is located right, literally right to the left of you. You walk through, right through the door. And in Golanmai Citadel, there are 200 Precursor Orbs and 6 Power Cells. Uh, a citadel is like a fortress, So basically, I guess it's supposed to act as like their fortress area. Basically, you have to fight your way through before you reach to the final boss. So because like that's pretty much what a citadel is, just a fortress. And so you need to rescue all four sages. Um, I think the easiest one, if I remember correctly, the easiest sage to rescue first is the blue sage i could be wrong maybe it's the red sage the blue sage is the you know the real skinny one he kind of has a high pitched voice which is not how i pictured them all the first time i played this game when i was like at the blue sage like i never pictured the blue sage looking like that and um and um the red and yellow sage might look a little bit more like maybe could possibly what i imagined to be the yellow sage does act a little rednecky which kind of threw me off a little bit. But in terms of looks and stuff with the red and yellow sage, I'm like, yeah, they kind of, they look like sages. It's just the blue sage, like I said, he just looks a little wacky and funky. And, uh, and he acts kind of uh, goofy and silly. But, you know, it is, I mean, this essentially is a kid's game, so I understand. And Naughty Dog is known for doing stuff like that because they do the same thing with, like, uh, you know, the precursors, uh, you know. Uh, I won't tell you what the precursors are if you've never played Jack 3, but in Jack 3, basically, the precursors are not who you might expect them to be, So, which is hilarious, you know. And so it's kind of the same thing with the sages. Like I said, when you rescue them, they may not be quite what you expect them to be. Samos is a lot more sage-like personality, and look. he looks and acts like you might picture a sage to be. But with the other... You know, like with the blue sage and maybe the yellow sage, the red sage. Yeah, like I said, he acts like a sage. You might picture him to be, but and behaves like one too. But uh, but the other two, they're they're a little goofy. So, but I guess Naughty Dog, you know, they wanted to give him a little personality. And um, so, some interesting ideas um, about the Galama Citadel is I often wonder about is why did he create the citadel to look so um, so much like a fortress? you know because that's pretty much what a citadel is is a fortress and um why did he make it act and behave so much like this you know wouldn't it be make more sense if he was like a sage and he's like to study dark eco wouldn't it make more sense if he had like a lab or something and it's like why have all this extra room why look like this so I often wonder, evidently Gaul used to be a good guy, or at least a normal guy. He was a, maybe not necessarily a good guy, but he was at least not someone that was out to destroy the world, you know, kind of thing. He wasn't twisted like he is now at one point, and evidently Maya wasn't either. So it makes me wonder, maybe he has a lab somewhere located inside the fortress, and after, um, maybe after the dark ego affected him, Maybe uh, then he built this fortress in order to protect what Gollumai was trying to do, because it seems like they're trying to uh, keep people out of the top part, because once you go into the center area where like the precursor robot is, there's like the center area uh, where you take the elevator all the way to the top, where the doorway is, that leads to, you know, the end of the game when you open up the door with all hundred power cells. And uh, you open up the door there, and it activates the end of the game. And also there's the silos off to the side where the Dark Ego is located. And um, it makes me wonder if Gaul and Maya built this fortress after they got affected by the Dark Eco because they were trying to keep people out from this doorway and from the silos because maybe this was their plan all along once they figured out, okay, we're going to need probably a precursor robot to break open the silos and we also want to try to figure out, maybe they wanted to figure out what was behind the doors too, but the only problem with that theory is is surely they knew enough about precursor material and stuff like that to know that the door was activated through power cells and not by eco. So why wouldn't they try to collect power cells instead of trying to build a precursor robot? Maybe because their main plan was to activate the silos and maybe eventually they were going to collect power cells. I mean, who knows? Like I said, this is all just a theory. But it just kind of makes me wonder why... Before he got affected by the Dark Eco, I wonder why in the world would he need this fortress? Why would he build all this stuff? So that's what just, it makes me wonder, maybe he built this after he got affected. We don't know exactly how long, the game doesn't give us an exact time frame, exactly how long he was affected by this actual Dark Eco before, you know, the events of the beginning of Jack and Daxter actually took place. Because Samos mentions at the beginning of the game, the only person who could help Daxter is Gaul Acheron, the sage, but he lives far to the north. And no one has spoken to him in ages, you know. And um, and he even mentions that um, he could teleport you there, but the other sages haven't turned on their activation switches in a long time. He said it's been a while since they've turned them on. And so he's basically fluffing up the idea that this is something that possibly may have happened a while ago. And so these sages could have been kidnapped, you know, some time ago, they could have been affected by, he could have been affected by the dark ego long ago. And, uh, you know, Samos could barely even recognize Golemai when he first saw him at the red sage hut. Um, You know, and of course that was because they were affected by dark ego, but it also could have been the fact that maybe he just hadn't seen him in a while and uh, so it's just some ideas, some theories there. It's possible that, like I said, he could have built this afterward. It does look like something that was kind of um, slapped together, I guess. Is is that the right word? <laughs> um, and that could have possibly been the um, the situation there. So, but yeah, that's pretty much the best lore I could kind of come up with this area. I, I'm not the... Biggest fan of My Citadel. I do like this area. I don't. I definitely don't dislike it. The best part about this area is the platforming. But I'm not the biggest fan of the atmosphere here. I think it's a little dull looking. But there are some platforming missions here that are really fun to play. Specifically the one where you go rescue, I believe, the Yellow Sage hit. And you use uh, these you that's when you use the precursor launchers to use activate the blue eco and it launches you and you're constantly just jumping across the launchers. That mission's a lot of fun. Um, And uh, yeah, so I love that one. Uh, Definitely a lot of fun to play. So I do like this area. It's just I feel like maybe it could have been slightly better. One thing I will say about this area is it definitely puts your platforming skills to the test that's for sure and uh this is uh this is when the game becomes pretty much a straight up platformer it's not you know there's not really much adventure in this area it's just now it's time to you know do some serious platforming and that's probably the part where this area shines is the missions and the platforming does such a really good job with that part but the other other aspects maybe not quite as much so, but that's my favorite part about this uh My favorite part about this area is the platforming, and of course, getting to meet the other sages It's cool. I'm glad that they actually took the time to create these other sages for you to actually communicate with and stuff like that. I'm glad they did that. That was a lot of fun, and they the other sages have very few lines in the game, but yet they took the time to get voice actors for them, and I really appreciate that um, that they you know took the time to do all that. So basically, once you rescue all four sages, um, you they use their um, their four powers uh, the you know the blue, red, green, and yellow eco to um, act, and turn off the shield. So you could stop them from using the precursor robot, but as soon as they uh, deactivate the shield, Gollumai shows up and they hop into the precursor robot and go up anyway. So then that's when Samus was like, "Oh, you need to go up the the you need to go up the you know the elevator and head up to the top and stop them from opening up the silos." So basically, ah oh, my computer's being stupid. Basically, once you open up uh, or open up. Once you go up the, uh, um... Uh, the elevator I could not think today once you go up the elevator you go up to the top and then you're gonna see a bunch of eco and stuff uh, you know get yourself healed up uh, get some blue eco and then you're gonna take that little um, platform down to your final boss so this is basically the final boss of the game and it is a really fun one I'm glad naughty dog designed this boss the way they did it's it's a lot of fun and it's uh, really exciting even every even as many times as I played this game I still have so much fun with the final boss this is actually probably one of um, my favorite final bosses in the entire series naughty dog is really good at creating boss battles in general but at least with the jack and daxter series but there's even some like in crash bandicoot i can remember distinctly that are actually pretty good boss battles um but in, like I said, Jack and Dexter is definitely no exception. Um, I really like this boss battle. My favorite boss battle is probably the very final boss battle in Jack Three. I love that boss battle so much, where you fight Errol. Really, really good boss battle, very epic. But this one is way up there too. I really like this one. And um, so one of the parts on the final boss battle, there's going to be a uh, they launch. Um, uh, Gall and Maya from the Precursor Robot, they launch this weird green stuff, I don't know what it is, into the Dark Eco. And then as soon as they do, I don't know if they're eggs or what, it's supposed to be lurker eggs or something, out hop these Dark uh, Eco Lurkers. I just call them Dark Lurkers. I don't think the game actually names them. But I call them Dark Lurkers. They're basically lurkers that have been affected by Dark Eco. And so that's why I say maybe the green stuff is supposed to be like lurker eggs or lurker energy i don't know <laughs> and uh, i don't think the game really explains it but out harp these dark lurkers and i i really like fighting these things because they really remind me of the dark makers and anybody who knows me out of the entire series the dark makers are my favorite enemies in the game that's one of the reasons why i like jack three so much because i love getting to fight against the dark makers the only problem is is there's not enough of them in the game you know most of the game you either fight the kg bots or you fight the uh um the um the uh, you know the metalheads and uh, it's like but there's not a whole lot of parts of the game where you're fighting a bunch of dark makers and i really wish there were more parts of the game where you fought those cuz i love getting to fight the dark makers there's one part of the game right before you i'm getting way off topic here but i'll just let it roll there's one part of the game in jack 3 where you um right before you the dark makers are these giant dark maker i guess they're supposed to be like r- dark maker robots or dark maker ships or whatever they are they start making their way to spargus city and but before you go to the gun mission it's basically essentially a rail shooter before you go to the gun mission and start shooting at them there's dark makers all throughout the city of spargus city and you can actually fight them uh, it's basically an all-out war that's going on inside the city and every time i play jack three before i go to the gun and start shooting at him i always spend some time just running around i mean you don't need to do this it's literally just supposed to be something to flesh out the game but it's so much i find it so much fun i do it anyway um before i go to that part i always spend time uh, fighting against these dart makers, running around and uh, using my eco powers and my guns and, um, you know, just having a lot its so much fun. I love, uh, you know, getting it. Like I said, I wish there were more parts like this in the game where you got to fight the dart makers uh, because I I love the concept of them so much more dark makers like i said that would be another thing i would say if they ever remade the not remaster but an actual full-on remake from the ground up with the the original trilogy when they got to jack three that would be my request is i would say more dark makers to fight in jack three so that would be my request you know i love getting to fight the metalhead and the kg bots those were a blast to fight as well i love being in haven city and being involved in the war there that was a lot of fun too but there's just something about those dark makers i just love fighting them so much but yeah these uh dark lurkers like i guess i call them um they remind me a lot of the dark makers in um in jack 3 so one of the coolest parts though about this boss battle um Is the you finally get to activate light eco, but unfortunately it's just a cutscene. You don't actually get to use the light eco. But it is really cool to see. So basically uh, the four sages they mix their their four ecos together and create light ego. And then these the light eco falls down in these little Blobs, I guess you could call them. Kind of looks almost like the way Dark Ego does in Jack Two and Three. When you collect the Dark Ego, they're just like these little pebble, almost like, kind of look like a jelly substance, and that's kind of what this looks like too. The Light Ego falls down, and you grab it, and then he become Light Jack, and then the cutscene happens, and he just obliterates the the precursor robot, and they um, or the yeah the precursor robot, and it's like only a, their head left. They fall into the Dark Ego, and then the silos close and it still it gets them stuck in there to uh, either stay in there forever or die or whatever happened to them. Um, so one interesting thing, um, evidently using the four egos uh, mixed together, the four, uh, you know blue, green, uh, red, and yellow, If when you mix them together, evidently it creates light eco. So that makes me wonder. I often theorize that a uh, light eco is the original eco that the precursors used to create the universe. And um, at once, uh, once upon a time, they somehow figured out how to split it into four different ecos. You know, creating the green, the the blue, the red, and the yellow ecos. But dark. So some people might theorize. Well, where in the world did dark eco come from? Was it always there? Did they? Did the precursors create dark eco? Did they do it on purpose? You know. Well, since the dark precursors or the dark makers, as Jack Three calls them, um, evidently were precursors that got you know affected by dark eco, they're referred to not only as dark precursors, but they're actually called dark makers, which makes me theorize that they actually created dark eco. Using light eco. If the precursors had the access to the power of light eco, then and they figured out how to split into four different eco's, maybe some other precursors, a group of precursors, figured out how to uh, create dark eco out of light eco. And um, maybe they became evil before they created Dark Eco. Maybe once they created Dark Eco, then it t- affected them and caused them to become evil. E- either way, however, it happened, somewhere along the line, someone must have created Dark Eco. And someone might say, well, how in the world do you create Dark Eco out of Light Eco? Well, if you pay close attention to the series and how Dark Eco versus Light Eco behave, especially in Jack 3, because you use a lot of both of them. They both behave very similarly. Maybe not so much in Jack Three. I will admit because um, Jack Three re- light Eco is mostly used as more of your offense type of gameplay, and then your Dark Eco is more of your. Or I'm sorry, I have it the other way around. Dark Eco is more of your offense type of gameplay, and then Light Eco is more of your. It's more of your defense. So, and also when you look at like in Jack Two, there's no Light Eco, but in the first one and the third one, there are. Um, The light eco Jack uses in the first one um, is um, he's able to do like this blast with it, this light eco blast. And uh, that's what destroys the precursor robot, the body of it. And in Jack 3, he's also able to do what they call the dark blast or dark. um, You know, he does. It kind of almost looks like he's doing the Kamehameha wave uh, where he charges it up and he can blast through walls and stuff like that. Break away walls and stuff. And so it makes me wonder, since these dark echos seem to have a lot of similarities, they're very different too, but they also have a lot of similarities, it makes me wonder if maybe some of the precursors removed some of the elements from light eco, and then it caused it to become dark eco. So if you think about the natural elements of our world, think about how hydrogen is created. Hydrogen is literally just water without the oxygen. We remove one element Um, and all you do is remove the oxygen and then it becomes something that's literally explosive and you should never consume, but you add the oxygen to it. Then it becomes water, something we, a necessary thing that humans need and really any living creature in this planet needs to sustain life. I'm like, that's really funny how that works out. So, um, I think uh, it's possible that light dark eco was created from uh, light eco from doing some some twisted maybe experiments, removing some of the elements or something like that, and um, causing it to become twisted and dark and deformed, and it kind of became unstable because light eco is much more of a stable eco, and the other four are as well because they're just split offs from light eco, but dark eco is a much more unstable. A very dangerous eco that if you touch sometimes it can kill you i mean who knows what can happen to you sometimes it'll kill you sometimes it'll transform you into something else uh probably also explains why daxter when he fell into the dark ego he turned into an otsel because you know the light ego basically carries kind of some of the precursors dna because they they either created light ego or light ego created them one or the other vice versa Um, somehow, like I said, the game doesn't really explain where some of these creatures come from. It seems to insinuate the precursors of the official gods and creators of the universe, but, I mean, who knows? Um, But, yeah, so that explains how Daxter could have became an Ansel because when he fell into Dark eco and um and um so yeah it's kind of funny that that actually winded up happening but yeah it's very unstable uh but light eco is much more stable but they also have a lot of similarities in the way they're being used and stuff like that yeah. and um it's a uh, yeah so just a little theory to throw out there um just some ideas there, but that's pretty much uh, all I got to say. Lore mechanic wise of the game, that basically wraps up the entire game. Uh, the finishing of the game, uh, you create all, you collect all uh, 100 power cells. There's actually 101 of them, but you only need 100 because basically Naughty Dog did that on purpose because they wanted if you, I guess, if there was just one mission you just couldn't stand to do, you could skip it with the exception of the um. The mission uh, to help the uh, fishermen because if you don't do that mission, you're basically going to miss out on the entire Misty Island. But um, so, yeah, you could s- essentially skip at least one mission and still 100% the game, kind of funny. And um, but yeah, so you get 100 power cells, you put it up to that door, and uh, basically it creates the final cutscene of the game. They don't show you what's behind the door until Jack 2. Uh, the reason why they did this is I watched an interview with Naughty Dog, and one of the members there said they never really intended to originally let it in like that, on a cliffhanger like that, uh, but they said they just they were going to have some ideas of possibly what could have been behind the door, but they just ran out of time, so they just kind of left it like that, um, of them just showing them going, oh, it's so beautiful, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so that's essentially why that happened. It wasn't like Naughty Dog was tr- necessarily trying to troll us. I mean, they did, but they weren't necessarily trying to. Like I said, they, they were trying to come up with a more definitive ending. It's just they just kind of ran out of time, and uh, that's just basically the ending they settled on. They were trying to uh, leave it in a way to where it could, they were able to maybe make a sequel, but they didn't want it to damper with the sequel. They didn't know exactly where they were going to go from after the end of Jack and Daxter. And if they were even going to make a sequel at all, possibly. So, I mean, they just, they weren't sure. So that that's why they just kind of left it open. And um, I was a little disappointed, though, I will admit the first time I beat the game and uh, found out that that was the ending. I was just like, what the heck? They made me collect four, 100 freaking power cells. And that's how the game ended. I'm like, wow. they should have had a warning there. Warning, this, this will not have a real ending, definitive ending. Well, it kind of does. I guess if you see the beginning of Jack Two, uh, it it will kind of explain a couple of things. And uh, but yeah, so going back to the trivia question, the trivia question was: Who is the voice of Gall Acheron, the sage in the video game Jack and Daxter? Did you figure it out, or did you have to look it up? The answer is D. Snyder. He is the lead singer of Twisted Sister. Uh, It's an 80s band, if you don't know who they are. They sing the song like, you know, We're Not Gonna Take It, stuff like that. Um, And I think they sing I Wanna Rock, and there's also a parody version of that song in the SpongeBob movie where they sing, uh, you know, I'm a Goofy Goober, which I think Twisted Sister actually sings that song too, which is hilarious. But yeah, Dee Snider is the uh, voice for Gaul. It's kind kind of cool that he actually is doing that, but yeah. So yeah, that's the uh end of this podcast, the basically the wrap up of Jack and Daxter. Uh but like I said, we're not going to be finished with it just yet. I do probably will have at least a couple more podcasts where I'm going to talk about the series as a whole and maybe talk about a couple of nitty-gritty here and there things I might have missed while going through the series, but I wanted to really talk about the individual lore of some of these areas before we got to that point. Then I'll, now I'm going to talk about some of the over parts of the game and then we'll move on to Jack Two. So like I said, hopefully you enjoyed watching. Um, if you want to check out some of my other podcasts, I do have other podcasts, um, links are all in the show notes below. Um, I also uh, have a YouTube channel if you want to check that out. Um, like I said, link in the show notes, um, and yeah, so if you enjoyed this podcast, if you're a big Jack and Daxter fan, uh, definitely um, stay tuned for future episodes because there's definitely more on the way. And we still got Jack 2 to get to, too. And we got a lot of stuff to say about Jack 2 because there's a lot more in depth on story and mechanics and stuff like that. So um, yeah, stay tuned for that. Uh, this is Eco Power. I am Kevin Emery, and I'm out.